Clark was the short one. Lewis was the lanky former private secretary to Thomas Jefferson, who seemed not at all the type to forge the transcontinental American wilderness in the days when the West was anything past the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. Jefferson saw something in Meriwether, though, and groomed him into his explorer alter ego to find out what really was out there and send as much of it back as Monticello could hold, and Jefferson was always expanding it. Lewis did do quite a bit of hunting around Charlottesville, but that's still a long way from Fort Clatsop, Charlottesville, the climax of their two-year journey in the cold winter of 1805 to 1806. Jefferson had just bought the land from the French and wanted to see if he'd bought a pig and a poke. The expedition began in St. Louis, about as far west as anybody from Virginia had been in the spring of 1804. Forty men trained in all of Jefferson's favorite ologies, paddled up the Missouri to North Dakota, where they built a modest little fort and engaged Sacagawea and her husband, who no one seems to have noticed, to serve as ombudsman to the Shoshone, who had not yet grasped the significance of the crews measuring off the homeland into rectangular plats. In Montana, they switched to horseback for the vertical climb up the Continental Divide, then canoed down the Clearwater to the mouth of the Columbia and Fort Clatsop, named after the Indians it helped eradicate. They knew they were in Oregon because it rained all but 12 days that winter. In addition to the cartography and the zoology, Lewis and Clark proved there was, in fact, no Northwest Passage. The hope for a lazy river to the Pacific but that manifest destiny was alive and well. The grizzly they brought back for his parlor alone made the effort worthwhile for Jefferson. For all their trouble, Lewis was made governor of the Louisiana Territory and Clark, Missouri. That is the actual history of two two trailblazers, Lewis and Clark. This morning's reading was from a great book called Glad You Asked, Intriguing Names, Facts, and Ideas for the Curious-Minded from the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica featuring Michael Feldman, who's the host of What You Know as heard on public radio. Good morning, Aurora. Once again, we are back. We're back. We're live in the studio Monday through Friday, as we do, 8 to 9 a.m. You are tuned in to Aurora's very first, only, number one, starting it off, daily news podcast, uh, bringing to you everything concerning Aurora, downtown, and out to the rest of our awesome city. Uh, It is May 21st, 2020. The time is now 8.04 a.m., and it is a, uh, a fairly... Nice, pretty, beautiful day outside. A uh, little, little cloudy out there, uh, but the weather is—it's uh, nice. You know, it feels really good outside. Nice and mild weather. Looks like it might rain um, today because it is a very overcast kind of day. But uh, if it does, that's great. If it doesn't, that's great too. A little bit of sunshine is always uh, welcome. We miss the sunshine, so. We're looking forward to that if that does happen. Um, Got some great stuff for you guys today on our wonderful show. We're going to run into some of the headlines, the local news, and then some of the national news. And then we will get to our uh, scheduled interview time at 8.30 a.m. 
as we do. Uh, on the interview today, we will be having Cottonseed Creative Exchange on the line, so that should be pretty good. Uh, we'll be learning about the history of Cottonseed, who they are, what they do, what they have done, and how they've been uh, dealing with themselves during this COVID. <coughs> that was a sneeze on, on air. Obviously. <laughs> the time is now 8.05 a.m. I tried to hold it in as long as I could, but I couldn't do it. So, yeah, God bless me. Uh, but, yeah, so that's what we, we will be doing at 8.30 a.m. And, again, we'll be learning about how they've been getting by uh, in this time of uncertainty here with the uh, COVID-19 going on. All right. So, uh, again, good morning to all you guys out there. Thanks for tuning in. This is our second week doing this, and this is episode number nine. Yes, that's right. This is episode number nine for us. Um, so, yeah, good morning, and glad you guys are sticking with us. Glad you guys are tuning in, and we've got nothing but great stuff for you going forward. We're having a lot of fun doing this, too. Uh, to let you know who we are as a podcast, Good Morning Aurora is a podcast dedicated to two things uh, besides getting the word out to you. Uh, two things. The first is speaking on social justice. We will be uh, proud to uh, dedicate ourselves to speaking out, speaking out about those social justice matters uh, that concern us as a community and not just an Aurora community. We're talking about a shared human family type of thing, a good community, a uh, nationwide community. And uh, secondly, we'll be speaking up for the underserved, uh, and the underserved includes our veterans, our seniors, uh, the undocumented members of our uh, community, our LBGT community, and uh, some of our businesses who uh, you know would like to and benefit from getting the word out, letting folks know who they are and what they're all about. So that's what we'll be doing on this show, and uh, you know who knows. I mean, you. You know, if you're listening, you might get a shot one day. You know, you never know. Anything can happen, baby. Anything can happen. The time is now 8.07 a.m. McCarty Mills Tap Room is open. Uh, McCarty Mills is a tap room, uh, a new establishment. Uh, looks like a, uh, from their pictures, looks like they could be a very good bar once, uh, you know, seating and everything, if it does is available to happen inside of their place will take place. They spent a lot of time and effort getting it up and underway. Um, so they are open. They're located on River Street. Uh, I think they're right down from whatever Chinese food restaurant that is. I think that's number one China. I don't know. But they're right across the street from the Aurora Public Library, the downtown Santori branch. Shout out to the Aurora Public Library, as always. Um, so, yeah, they're right across the street from there. They've got takeout orders from 4 to 8 p.m. Thursday through Sunday, uh, six packs of beer or a bottle of wine with a minimum purchase of $10 for takeout. That's a word up. Shout out to McCarty Mills Tap Room. Congratulations on opening up. A uh, reminder for you guys that AMVETS post 103 at 1194 Jericho Road, right next to the Aurora Food Pantry. Uh, right next, there's, there's something in between the two of them, but it, I mean, it's literally like the next building. It's like two buildings over from the food pantry. You can't miss it. Um, they will be having a rib night and it's going to be uh, on the menu a half rack of ribs, baked beans, and coleslaw. A nice heaping plate for $15. All proceeds benefit local area veterans. and That will be happening on Saturday, May 
30th. Uh, we posted that on our Facebook and we posted that on our Instagram. And we'll make sure that we will get that back out there. Rotate those posts so you guys see them again. Follow us on Twitter. If you're not already following us on Twitter, Good Morning AUR1 on Twitter. But just look up Good Morning Aurora and you will see your boys right there. Oswego Caravan to honor military members who died for their country. That's going to be uh, Memorial Day weekend, so starting this uh, coming up Friday. Uh, a caravan of Village of Oswego vehicles will start Memorial Day weekend with a procession through downtown Oswego Friday to honor military members who have died in service to the country. The caravan, which will include fire trucks, police cars, plows, trucks, and more, will be flying the U.S. flag and flags representing the branches of the armed services. The route begins at 1.30 p.m. at the Oswego Senior Center, 156 East Washington Street. From the Senior Center, the caravan will turn right onto Franklin Street, left onto Garfield Street, left onto Jefferson Street, left onto Main Street, left onto Douglas Street, right onto Madison Street, right onto Judson Avenue, a left on Madison Street, right onto Forest Avenue, left onto Hickory Street, continuing onto Benton Street, with a right on Madison Street, a right onto Tyler Street, ending at Washington Street. Did you get that? I hope you did. Um, residents are advised to watch from their own porches and yards, stand at least six feet apart from others, and avoid gathering together in groups to watch the caravan. So, yeah, shout out to the village of Oswego, um, showing love for the veterans and showing love for everyone who is a uh, military member or spouse, family member of the military, just showing 100% military love, and we appreciate that. And that's happening uh, this weekend. It will start, <clears throat> excuse me, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and it will start Friday. Speaking of Memorial Day weekend, there is a wonderful business by the name of Crystal House in downtown Aurora. Located at 59 South LaSalle Street on Historic Auto Row. They are proud supporters of our military and they create souvenirs, gifts, awards, trophies, and engravings. They are an engraving glass and award, or excuse me, engraving crystal and award shop. Their work is awesome and wonderful, and it is the number one place in Aurora to get any kind of gift and have it engraved, custom work for mom, dad, or that special soldier in your life. So with Memorial Day coming up, keep Crystal House Aurora in mind. We will be posting them on our Facebook and Instagram page, giving them some love and letting you know who they are. And uh, 5% off of all, or excuse me, for the starting Friday going up into next week for Memorial Day weekend, a little bit into the week though, uh, they will be offering an additional 5% off for anything purchased simply mention the ad either on facebook instagram or that you heard it here on anchor spotify and wherever you listen to cool podcasts from apple itunes as well okay time is now 8 12 a.m so as you guys know we um have been doing the daily totals or excuse me daily updates uh, in regards to COVID-19 and everything going on with that. So we're going to be letting you know what those totals are. Uh, the information that we get and pull is from the CDC, uh, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, right on their website. You can go to cdc.gov. As of this very moment, there are 
528,235 total cases of COVID-19 in the U.S. Um, and there are a tragic and very sad 91,664 total deaths in the United States due to COVID-19. Uh, the total cases is up, excuse me, uh, there are 23,405 new cases and 1,324 new deaths, uh, and that's compared to yesterday's data. And if you go to the website, uh, cdc.gov, and you can look at all of this information, uh, it breaks it down in many different forms for you. It breaks down cases and deaths by state, cases and deaths by county, new cases by day, um, cases by age, cases by race and age, and cases by ethnicity and age. And all of this, uh, as we know, uh, COVID-19 has been disproportionately affecting uh, Latino and African-American communities. So that information, again, is on cdc.gov. You can check that out. The time is now 8.14 a.m. Uh, saw a very interesting article that I wanted to share with you guys. The coronavirus triggered sudden and devastating unemployment among nannies, most of whom are women of color and their families' primary wage earners. The pandemic, excuse me, the pandemic has taken a toll on nannies, many of whom have described being furloughed, laid off without pay, or forced to choose between their jobs and health. This demographic, which is largely made up of women of color, quote, experienced sudden and devastating unemployment and underemployment, end quote, said Hei Young Yoon of the, excuse me, of the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Undocumented nannies are at risk because they're paid off the books and aren't eligible for unemployment benefits. Michelle Brown believes she got lucky. She's been a nanny with the same family for over six years. They live walking distance from her Upper East Side home attended her wedding, and treat her like she's part of the family. When the coronavirus hit, they asked Miss Brown, 35, to stay home and continued paying her. Thousands of other nannies have had a dramatically different experience. Quote, as soon as the shelter-in-place orders went into effect for people to stay at home, domestic workers, and in particular nannies, experienced sudden and devastating unemployment and underemployment. Brown has created a Facebook page called The Nannies of New York City, and with over 7,500 members, the painful stories have been pouring in. Nannies realize they are disposable. Some nannies were furloughed and others were laid off without severance pay. Over a dozen nannies from the Caribbean have even lost their lives to COVID-19. Quote, in the end, it doesn't matter how long you're with the family. You are disposable, Brown told Business Insider. That's something that all of us nannies have learned as schools around the nation were shut down in response to the coronavirus, nannies who lived in their own homes were asked to become live-in nannies so they could take care of the employer's children. Often, Brown said, they were forced to choose between their health and financial security. One family went so far as to tell their nanny, we're going to pack up everything and move to the Hamptons. You have to come and live with us, and if you don't, you can walk right out that door. The nanny in question had been using public transport excuse me, public transit, to get to and from work while beating, while battling concerns about contracting the virus herself and bringing it home to her own children. Very sad story. Uh, I'll let you know about the nannies who appear from this uh, article to definitely be in that uh, 
group of people who we want to speak out for the underserved. That would be very tough putting your, uh, you know, having to choose between your health and your livelihood. The time is now 8.17 a.m. We've never seen this. Wildlife thrives in closed national parks. A wonderful article by The Guardian. This is a really good one. We're nature lovers here, so we thought we'd share this one with you as well. Earlier this month, for the first time in recent memory, pronghorn antelope ventured into the sun-scorched lowlands of Death Valley National Park. Undeterred by temperatures that climbed to over 110 degrees, the animals were observed by park staff browsing on a hillside not far from Furnish Creek Visitor Center. Quote, this is something we haven't seen in our lifetimes, end quote, said Katie Schmidt, a spokesperson for the National Parks Conservation Association. Quote, we've known they're in some of the higher elevation areas of Death Valley, but as far as we're aware, they'd never been documented this low in the park near park headquarters, end quote. The results, excuse me, the return of pronghorns to Death Valley is one of many stories of wildlife thriving on public lands since the coronavirus closures went into effect a month and a half ago. In Yosemite National Park, closed since March 20th, wildlife have flocked in large numbers to virtually abandon Yosemite Valley. Wow. More than 4 million visitors traveled to Yosemite last year, the vast majority by way of automobile. If you've ever been to uh, Yellowstone, it's like, it's really cool. Like, uh, I've been to Yellowstone National Park once upon a time, and man, it was it was really cool. I had a great time being there. Um, uh, on busy late spring days, as visitors gather to see the famed Yosemite, Vernal, and Bridal Veil Falls, the seven-and-a-half-mile-long valley can become an endless procession of cars. But traffic jams seem a distant memory. As the closure approaches its two-month mark, deer, bobcats, and black bears have congregated around buildings, along roadways, and other parts of the park, typically teeming with visitors. One coyote, photographed by park staff, lounging in an empty parking lot under a rushing Yosemite Falls, seemed to best capture the momentary state of repose. A handful of workers who have remained in Yosemite during the closures, who have been able to travel by foot and bike along the deserted roadways, describe an abundance of wildlife not seen in the last century. The bear population has quadrupled, Dane Peterson, a worker at the Awani Hotel, told the LA Times. It's not like they usually aren't here. It's that they usually hang back at the edges or move in the shadows. Wow, that's cool. Bear are coming back. I think that's so awesome. The time is now 8.20 a.m. We're going to take a quick five-minute break, and we'll be right back on Good Morning Aurora.
Welcome back. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8.25 a.m. Once again, at 8.30, we will get to the interview portion of our show. Uh, Not a mask in sight. So we just talked about uh, how animals are coming back with alarming, or excuse me, in alarming numbers. Uh, Bear and all kinds of cool animals are rolling around the place and all of that good stuff in uh, national parks. But on Monday, thousands of visitors from across the country descended on Yellowstone National Park, which opened for the first time since its closure in March due to the coronavirus pandemic. Quote, we've been cooked, cooped up for weeks, says Jacob Willis, near a crowd of onlookers at Old Faithful Geyser when the parks open. We jumped at the opportunity to travel, said Mr. Willis, who had arrived from Florida. Yellowstone, America's oldest national park, and the nearby Grand Teton National Park are the most recent to have partially reopened with the support of the Trump administration. I hope everybody is listening, Donald Trump announced early in May. The parks are open, and rapidly, actually. While many have celebrated the reopening of the revered landscapes, others have raised health concerns about large possibly maskless groups of -of out-of-state visitors arriving and potentially skirting social distancing guidelines. Quote, we checked the webcam at Old Faithful at about 3.30 p.m. yesterday, and quote, said Kristen Bringle, the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at the National Parks Conservation Association. Not much physical distancing happening and not a single mask in sight. I think we're the only car from Teton County, said Mark Siegel, a Wyoming local, noting the prominence of -of out-of-state license plates in Yellowstone on Monday at the Moran Entrance Station in Wyoming, the entrance to both Grand Teton and Yellowstone National Park. Cars began to line up at 5.30 a.m. by 11 a.m., an hour before the opening. Vehicles with license plates from as far away as New York, Washington State, and Alaska sprawled along the highway leading to the National Park entrance and not a mask in sight. Wow, that's sad as hell. Uh, Leave it to people to mess up a good thing, man. As soon as we get it open, it's in jeopardy of being closed again. That sucks. Um, Yesterday, our governor, J.B. Prisker, announced that the entire state will move to phase three of the Restore Illinois plan at the end of next week on Friday May 29th, a number of areas will reopen with new safety guidelines that will be outlined by the state. Um, And a list of some of those reopenings are restaurants with outdoor seating, barbershops, hair salons, nail salons, and other personal care services, all retail stores, office buildings, manufacturing, one-on-one personal training at indoor facilities, outdoor fitness classes of up to 10 people, all gatherings of up to 10 people, boating, slash camping up to 10 people, indoor and outdoor tennis facilities, golf courses with four people per tee, and all state parks. And you can learn more about that at coronavirus.illinois.gov. The state of Illinois, Illinois Department of Public Health, will issue specific guidelines for each area, including safety precautions, capacity limits, etc. And face coverings are required. Uh, And that's going to be the... uh, movement 
uh, into phase three of the reopening plan. I'm not sure what the how many phases there were. I think there were maybe five of, five of them. I don't know. Um, there is a uh, community discussion taking place today, Thursday, May 21st at noon, uh, live on the City of Aurora's Facebook page. The housing market, it's uh, called Finding a Home, a conversation about the housing market in Aurora amid COVID-19 from buying to renting. Residents are finding home in the City of Lights. Hear directly from some of Aurora's real estate professionals who have the keys to open new doors, figuratively and literally. Uh, Sheena Baker with the Sheena Sells team and the Karl Mark Realty Group. Michael Drews from Charles B. Dawson Company, Helen Ochoa, Keller Williams Innovate, and Ricardo Miranda, the Miranda Group, Keller Williams Infinity. That's at noon today on the Facebook page, uh, the City of Aurora's Facebook page, and that'll be live. Word. So, uh, join Mayor Urban for our conversation with local real estate professionals about the changes and opportunities during those uncertain times, these uncertain times. Very cool. So make sure that you tune into that COVID-19 update. All right. The time is now 8.30 a.m. And we will knock on the doors of our interview station. See if our interview subject is ready to... Tell us about Cottonseed Creative Exchange and all of this and all of that and what's happening. We will be speaking today with Yvonne Thompson. Yvonne, are you there? I think she is there, but will be joining us momentarily. We'll give her a second to get her squared away as she uh, joins us coming on. Uh, but in the next minute before that happens, let me tell you that if you are not aware, all of the uh, outdoor events have been canceled for this year. Uh, a friend of ours asked us what's happening with our parade, uh, this well, the 4th of July parade, but it is canceled for sure. So uh, unfortunately, all of the outdoor events and everything are canceled. We had Snoop Dogg and Twista coming through, but they are not coming through anymore because everything is shut down and that sucks really bad uh let's check back in with yvonne to see if she's ready to go with cotton seed see if we can holler at them cotton seed are you there yes good morning good morning good morning how we feeling feeling great actually That's just kind of you know getting the day started here word up word up what does getting the, the day started mean for you uh nice cup of coffee <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so, thank you for joining us on Good Morning Aurora, um, Downtown Aurora and Aurora's first daily news podcast um, show broadcasting live every morning out of Downtown Aurora. Uh, we appreciate you guys for coming on. Today, we're going to uh, learn about cottonseed, all about cottonseed, and, um, uh, you know, let you tell the public what you're all about. So first things first, um, please tell us your name and your about Cottonseed, where you're from and where the store is located. Uh, my name is Yvonne Tony Thompson. I'm originally from the north side of Chicago, um, born in uh, Panama on an army base, but um, raised in Chicago. Um, the Cottonseed is located at 8 North Broadway um, in downtown Aurora, right 
off the corner of Galena. Um, so right in the heart of downtown Aurora. Right, word up. The beating heart. Damn. That's like that's like the ventricle yeah. right there. <laughs> it is. It's very, very, very uh, busy down there as far as kind of traffic and everything goes. It's nice. Lots 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 of cars going going by what, all day long. Um what does cotton seed do? So the Conti Creative Exchange um, is still evolving for sure, a hundred percent. We are aiming to be a creative marketplace. Um, that's kind of what we're doing at this point. Still kind of um, perfecting it and, and always looking for talent. Um, but we basically have a small little um, storefront where we allow people that create things. Um, artists, um, people that, you know, enjoy certain, you know, creating certain things. It's kind of a platform for them to be able to showcase it to uh, the community. And um, now with the website, uh, be able to showcase it out a little further and uh, just basically show the world what they make and what they're passionate about and also um, sell their items. Very cool. Now, um, I have to know, because I like it a lot, where did the name Cottonseed come from? So the name Cottonseed Creative Exchange, so when when I came upon the opportunity to get the storefront, everything happened kind of fast. Um, I had always wanted to get a storefront, but the way things kind of went, it just kind of happened out of nowhere. So I didn't really have a solid name in place. Um, so I sat down and I wrote, you know, a couple of names and a couple of things that I like. And um, as something just led me to the name, the Cottonseed Creative Exchange. Um, I think about, I, I wanted it to have some sort of meaning in regards to something blossoming. You know, you plant a seed, it grows. Right. And it blossoms into something. You nurture it, take care of it, and, and it becomes something beautiful. Um, so I didn't want to just call it the Seed Creative Exchange. So, uh, you know, myself and my husband, we both have family that um, are from the South. And, you know, the, it just had kind of like a Southern um, charm to it. And also it just um, it just stuck out to me, to be honest with you. Right. So that's kind of where it, where it, and it, and I wanted it to be a little bit different, you know, a little, little different. So, um, that's what stuck out to me. And that's out of maybe 20 different names. That's the one I, I went with. And, um, really? I'm happy that I did huh. go with that one. What, um, what was, I'm just curious, what was the name that came in second place? Um, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Don't even know. Cotton seed (laughs) one. Yeah, it's. I I don't remember actually. It's after I crossed them all out. I just kind of went with this one, and that was that was that was all she wrote there. Right. Um, Now I've been inside of the Cotton Seed Creative Exchange, and I have to tell folks it's a really nice place when you walk in. Um, It the the first thing I remember when I walked in was how good it smelled. I mean, it smelled like, damn. It was like Bed Bath & Beyond up in there, kind of. It was really cool. Um, now, you also got, uh, and then the, another thing I um, discovered, 
was that you have a special kind of coffee in there too. You got coffee for your guests when they walk in, but there's a special kind that you have. What is that? So um, the kind of coffee that I usually offer to the guests there is Marley coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marley coffee is made by one of Bob Marley's children. Um, they have a coffee farm in Jamaica. So I've always enjoyed their coffee. It used to actually be sold in stores, but it's no longer sold in stores. So I was able to get some, and um, that's what I offer to everyone, just kind of as a complimentary thank you for coming into the store. And it's, it's, a, really, it's a really good cup of coffee. Very good. Um, now, you are a uh, Navy veteran, is that correct? Yes. Tell yes. us about that. Tell us about that. So, um, I joined the Navy in 1999, and I ended up being stationed in Norfolk, Virginia for four years. Uh, did several deployments. Um, after 9-11, uh, my ship, the USS Bataan, uh, deployed, and we picked up about a couple thousand Marines, and we headed over into the Gulf, and we spent seven months um, bringing the Marines back and forth. Uh, they're going into Afghanistan through Pakistan. So we were kind of operating off the uh, coast for seven months. So um, it was a very interesting time, but um, I would do it all over again. Wow. What um, now as a um, as a woman of color, what um, how was the or how did you find military, specifically Navy life aboard a ship? Um, actually, it was a phenomenal experience. Um, it's kind of one of those experiences that I talk to my almost 17-year-old son about all the time. Um, being on board the ship, it was actually really good. You know, it's kind of like you find your tribe, right. you know, in the military. You find the people that you get along with. You find, you know, you make friends and you become family. So it's it's just these, you know individuals that you click with and you guys kind of just you know become family and and go through everything together so it, it was a great experience honestly i was an operations specialist so oh yes um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know our job especially when we were actually operating was very very interesting and very rewarding um, especially, you know, when we were um, sending the Marines off the back of the ship and LCUs and LCACs and, and um, you know, me getting on the headset controlling, uh, boat controlling from, from um, CIC, which is the Command Information Center, and making sure that they hit the beach. And, you know, um, it was always like an adrenaline rush and kind of like, you know, Okay, they got there. They made it safe. So it was just, you know, it was very rewarding. And I, I feel that it was something that kind of molded me into, you know, not really being fearful and taking challenges you know, head on and you know, trying right. new things. So it was, it, was, it was a great experience. For those that don't know, um, well, 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 two things that people may not know. So now CIC, that's the room that's always dark, right? Yes, and you need like a you, you yeah. have to have a security clearance to get in, and you you have to like punch in numbers, kind of like a garage um, thing to get in. <laughs> yeah, on my um. So for those that for those that don't know about some of the inside intimate history of this show, Good Morning Aurora, we're also Navy veterans as well, and we uh, 
some of our some of our best friends have been OSs um, on our ship. A little bit of the slang was uh, we talked to one of our buddies. I'm going back on the scope. That was one thing he used to always say. Um, but I only saw pictures of CIC brother. They wouldn't let the boats and up in there like that. But anyway, that's another story. Uh, now, what is an L? You said LCAT and an L. Can you explain what those are for the audience? So an LCAC is a landing craft air cushion. So if you were to Google it, you'd be able to see a really nice picture. Um, so the ship that I was on was an amphibious assault ship, and it has the capability of um, not submerging into water, but lowering its back part into water. Um, and it fills up. So when the LCACs, they call it, coming up on their cushion. So the, basically it inflates and the well deck opens up and they just shoot out the back. And then it has, it's equipped with navigation and um, it can carry Marines equipment. Um, the LCUs can carry Marines equipment's tanks. Um, so basically that's how, if you've ever wondered how do Marines get to where they're going with all their equipment, um, a lot of the times they're on amphibious assault ships um, and they're able to, um, you know, they're able to bring their tanks, their supplies, their equipment on board, and we basically operate off the uh, shore of where they're going. And um, they basically, you know, the LCACs and the LCUs, they just shoot out the back. I know it kind of sounds the way I'm describing it, but um, basically, uh, yeah, so they, they come up on their cushion, they shoot out the back of the ship, and they begin to navigate towards um, shore. And they, they also refer it to as a beach landing or touchdown. <clears throat> so when a LCAC or LCU hit the beach, what you would hear on your headset is touchdown. So that would mean they made it safely. That's not football, that's- y'all. That's real life. <laughs> you dig it? <laughs> yeah. So when they leave, they we, we do a count, you know, how many souls on board, how, you know, how much equipment. So it's basically, you know, we do the logistics of it all. And then, you know, once we hear touchdown, everything's written down, everything. We're in communication with the pilot house, with uh, the officers that are in uh, CIC. So, you know, we're, um, we're all in. It's, it's, it's where I learned the definition of true teamwork. Right. True teamwork, where someone's life depended on, on your actions and um, it was definitely, definitely, definitely a great way to experience teamwork and having someone's back. So I totally, ag- yeah, great. I totally agree. I mean, I, uh, you know, that's a, it is a fantastic place to learn teamwork and, and not only learn teamwork, but we're talking about like serious life or death stuff. This ain't, you know, this isn't, you know, you're supposed to do chapter eight of the homework, then we turn it into the teacher in the morning. I mean, we're talking about well, I was on a frigate, so we're talking about unreps and all kinds of different things. Uh, I was on a, I was on a frigate doing uh, drug ops, or what we call South Packs, so busting the drug boats coming from South American countries into the U.S. But, but yeah, you're right, teamwork, teamwork, and then you take that palette into everyday life, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, Absolutely. So I wanted to uh, so moving on with some of the other things I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, 
where you're at and where you're located on downtown Aurora is basically the corner of Galena and Broadway. Yes. Um, there's a lot of changes taking place, uh, construction and different things going on around there. Um, what do you see from the store in that corner? Um, it's definitely, you know, opening up there. I knew that it was going to initially have its challenges. Um, it, you know, there's not a lot of parking on Broadway and it does, you know, require some walking, some parking elsewhere and walking. Um, but you know, the parking lots are, are phenomenal. Um, they just finished a parking lot, the bigger one. And then there's one behind the store. So there, there is parking. It just requires a little bit of a walk. Um, but as far as what I'm seeing, uh, it looks like there's some good development going on. I know that this whole, you know, situation with COVID-19 kind of set some things back, but you know, um, sometimes things happen, unfortunately, but what I see is, uh, looks like some good things, good projects coming along. Um, you know, I know that the, the, uh, gaming station across the street was, you know, they're making um, progress there. And then you got the building on the corner, the old terminal building. Uh, they they were making some progress there as well. So it's, it's coming along, you know, as with anything, any, any redevelopment, it takes time. It takes patience. Um, it just, you know, takes, uh, you know, effort on behalf of just, um, you know, everyone just pulling together and, and, you know, ensuring that everyone in downtown kind of, you know, um, survives as best as they can through all of this. Right. Yeah. Um, now moving into that, how has, um, has COVID-19 affected, uh, cottonseed? So, um, as I stated, we, you know, we, it initially opening, it did have its challenges, you know, we opened in September of, of last year. So it, it, uh, was, you know, on the verge of getting cold, so not a lot of people walking around. Um, so at this point with, um, with COVID, it definitely required, uh, you know, taking a step back, thinking of solutions on how to best approach the situation um, so what I had to do was, um, go ahead and, and launch the website a little bit faster than I anticipated. I was, it was in the plans, it was in the project plans, but I had to speed up the process. So, you know, just kind of went ahead and adapted with the times, you know, things, things were going on around us, things are going on around us, but there's always a way to adapt and innovate and create new ways to approach the situation, um, and so what we did was we launched the website and, and our goal was to accommodate the customer. So that involved, you know, if we had to do drop offs, if we had to do curbside pickup, um, you know, we made everything available on the website for them to purchase. So that's kind of how we've been dealing with it and just um, everyone constantly, you know, innovating and, and coming up with ideas to, you know, get through it. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, good. Thank you for um, giving me that segment introduction. Yeah, please let folks know what the website is. So the website is www.thecottonseedex.com. Okay, cool. You guys are on Facebook and you got Instagram too. Yes. Right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, shout out to the cotton seed. Um, you know, the gram is life. So, you know, I'm always on the gram. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Stay yep. on the gram. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, um, I think that one of the uh, one of the other things that I wanted to uh, have you talk about and pick your particular brain about is uh, uh, issues concerning the African-American community. Now, one of the things that I've always um, liked to see, and it's not just the African-American community, it's just, uh, you know, minorities in general. Um, I like the fact that the Cottonseed is a uh, uh, African-American owned um, business. So shout out to you guys there. Now, when it comes to authors and uh, some of the other things that we like on our own personal time, you introduced me to a book that I need to uh, check out. What is the name of that book? And then tell us what else you're reading. So um, one of the books that I've been reading is um, it's called The Dream 100. And um, I was introduced to that book through my husband, who is a big reader. He reads nonstop. I've also been reading uh, a book called The Originals, mm-hmm. and I, I basically I read a lot of books um, that others have read who are successful, that have beat the odds, that have come from similar uh, backgrounds such as me. You know, I'm a city girl. I was raised in the city. I, I was raised on the north side of Chicago, but I have... Um, my grandmother lived on the south side, so I was always in between the north side and the south side. So, um, you know, just kind of books from people who have a similar, you know, background and have, have made it, you know, to um, reach, you know, new heights. So I'm always trying to read things that are relevant to where I'm trying to go. Right. So those are two of the two of the ones that I've been reading. I have a few more in the in the audible queue, but, you know. As with everything, trying to juggle it all and, and catch up on my reading. <laughs> yeah, it's a battle. It is a battle. Like you're thinking, like, okay, I can do one. Uh, I can do one. Um, you know, chapter and boom. You can't just do one chapter. Something happens. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's because once you get into the book, you know, it's kind of hard to put it down. So it's. You know, it's a, it's it's okay though. You know, the, it's about just taking those baby steps or going at your own pace with everything that you're doing. It's not a race. Um, it's life is not a race. It's your own journey. It's your own marathon. So you know, right. however you do things is is it's you can't go wrong. So now um, my I was I was uh, fortunate enough to come and check you guys out with my son for a first Friday one night when I was in your store. I, well, my son and I, our hands were introduced to one of the most fantastic lotions or body care oils, Tendaji. What, what's, what, tell us about that. Yes, Tendaji body oils. Let me start by saying the family is phenomenal. I really enjoy the family they are just amazing people carla is um uh it's a family-owned business it's Mm -hmm. carla 
uh, Anderson and her children, and they, um, her son grows, it's, first of all, it's locally made in Aurora, it's um, four generations of skincare, started way back, um, just passed on and perfected over the years, um, her son grows all of the herbs that they put in their body puddings and products, they're all natural, uh, vegan, um, they have body puddings, uh, for women and men. They have men's skincare, which is beard balms, beard salves. Uh, they have natural deodorants. They basically have a little bit of everything and it's all natural. And, um, just, just a really great family with really great products. And I, and I highly recommend them not because they're in my store, but because they are, uh, it's a great product. It's just a great product. The energy that's, you know, involved in creating the product. I mean, the family's just a really awesome family. And I, I believe in everything that they do. So it's 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 definitely an amazing product. So if you get a chance, you know, you can come by and sample it um, and see, see what you think of it. They have several different um, varieties of body pudding, which are basically your everyday you know, hand, you know, you can use it as a hand cream all over body product, but it's, it's a great thing to carry around with you in the car, in your purse, or just kind of on your sink to use on, you know, your day to day. It's, it's a great product. Right. Good. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. It is a, uh, it's a really good product. They got some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool stuff in the store. Uh, now one more thing. So the time is now 8:54 AM. We also get, uh, we wrap up our show at, uh, nine o'clock, but I wanted to ask you, and for those who have been inside the store and have seen it and know what I'm talking about, those wings that are on the wall, those wings on that, uh, greenish wall. Tell us about those. Yes. They make a really good background picture. Yes. Um, so the wings were actually designed by an LA based, muralist, uh, artist, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Uh, his name is Ray Boykins. Mm -hmm. Um, he's done many murals in and around LA. Um, he does paintings, he does, uh, design clothing design. He's done some things. He's, uh, actually, I don't, if I'm not sure if everyone knows who Nipsey Hussle is, but he, uh, when Nipsey Hussle passed away, he actually painted him on the back of a jacket and uh, went up to the Marathon clothing store and gave it to one of his friends, whose name is Cowboy, and um, gifted him the jacket and, and he wore it. And it was just, he's just a really, really great artist. So he's the one that designed the wings. And our in-house artist at the Cottonseed, the unruly artist, um, was kind enough to paint those you know, his design on the wall. So all of the, you know, the work that's on the wall at the Cottonseed was painted by the unruly artist. Nice. Nice. Yeah. They look, uh, they look really good. One of the, one of the things that I noticed as soon as I walked in there, like, damn, those are really, really nice wings. That's very cool. Yeah. They're, they're really nice. And, and, um, it kind of just, it, it, they stand out. Like you said, when you walk in, that's the first thing you, you see. And I, I've done my best to try to still kind of working on it, but involve a lot of artists into what I'm doing because that's one of the things that I enjoy the most is, is art. And um, we also have the Frida when you walk in. Some people say they can see it from the street as they drive by. 
and um, an Aaliyah painting, and those were painted by an artist out of Maryland that's from Brooklyn, New York. So I collect some of his work, and that's uh, that's where those two paintings came from. Aaliyah. Yeah. Gotta love Aaliyah, you know? Hell yeah. Rock the boat. Rock the boat. Rock the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Gotta love Aaliyah. That's the jam, too. That's the jam. Yes. All right. Yep. Well, uh, the time is now 8.57 a.m., so I think that we will uh, begin to wrap it up. But uh, if you could, please, leave the we, – we try to end the show on a positive note. So if you could, um, what would you like for uh, – what would Cotton Seed like to tell the city of Aurora and everybody out there on a positive note for this Thursday? So I guess what I would say that, you know, could leave us here on a positive note is that um, – I think everyone in Aurora, everyone in downtown Aurora, um, everyone in many places are doing the best that they can. And um, I just think that everyone should give themselves a lot of credit for getting through this process and getting through this unexpected time in, in our lives and navigating the business world and personal life and keeping our family safe. So, um one thing I can say is someone recently, a person that I really admire, um, you know, told me, you know, just keep pushing, keep pushing. That's, that's, that's one thing I can say to everyone is keep going, keep going. Things, things will get better. Um, this is not the first time that the world has been through something like this and, and it's still here. So we just got to keep pushing uh, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask to, you know, to speak to someone if you need someone to talk to. Um, just, you know, use your use your resources and use, you know, you know, the kindness of others that are out there to help you get through it if you need the help. Right. Right. Well, that's a uh, that's a good message to end on. Um, and with that, I think we'll bring uh, episode nine to a close. Uh, we appreciate Cotton Seed Creative Exchange coming on, talking to us, and uh, letting us know all about them. Uh, thank you very much for that, Yvonne. Absolutely. You're welcome. Thank you for having us on. We definitely appreciate the opportunity, and we enjoy the podcast, and uh, we feel that uh, it's definitely something great that you've brought to downtown Aurora and to Aurora in general. So we look forward to you know, seeing more of it and... and um, listening in every day appreciate that and for all of you guys out there thank you for tuning in to good morning aurora aurora's number one first daily news podcast news talk show uh doing interviews every single day you can catch us eight to nine a.m apple spotify anchor wherever you listen to podcasts at and with that y'all have a good day peace Theory from Sociology, Your Compass for a New World, 2nd edition, 
by Robert J. Brim, University of Toronto, and John Lee, University of California at Berkeley. In the early 1950s, New Haven, Connecticut was a city of about 150,000 people. It had seen better times, as in many other American cities, post-World War II prosperity and new roads had allowed much of the white middle class to resettle in the suburbs. This eroded the city's tax base. It also left much of the downtown to poor and minority group residents. Some parts of New Haven became slums. Beginning in 1954, Mayor Richard Lee decided to do something about the city's decline. He planned to attract new investment, eliminate downtown slums, and stem the outflow of the white middle class. Urban renewal was a potentially divisive issue. However, according to research conducted at the time, key decisions were made in a highly democratic manner. The city government listened closely to all major groups. It adopted policies that reflected the diverse wishes and interests of city residents. The social scientists who studied New Haven politics in the 1950s are known as pluralists. Polsby, 1959, Dahl, 1961. They argued that the city was highly democratic because power was widely dispersed. They showed that few of the prestigious families in New Haven's social register were economic leaders in the community. Moreover, neither economic leaders nor the social elite monopolized political decision-making. Different groups of people decided various political issues. Some of these people had low status in the community. Moreover, power was more widely distributed than in earlier decades. The pluralists concluded that no single group exercised disproportionate power in New Haven. The pluralists believed politics worked much the same way in the United States as a whole. The United States, they said, is a heterogeneous society with many competing interests and centers of power. None of these power centers can consistently dominate. The owners of United States Steel, for instance, may want tariffs on steel imports to protect the company's U.S. market. Meanwhile, the owners of General Motors may oppose tariffs on steel because they want to keep their company's production costs down. The idea that, quote, industry, end quote, speaks with one voice is thus a myth. Competing interests exist even within one group. For instance, the automobile company with the lead in developing electric cars may favor clean air legislation now. An auto company lagging in its research effort may favor a go-slow approach to such laws. Because there is so much heterogeneity between and within groups, no single group can control political life. Sometimes one category of voters or one set of interest groups wins a political battle, sometimes another. However, politics involves negotiation and compromise between competing groups because no one group of people is always able to control the political agenda or the outcome of political conflicts, democracy is guaranteed. That was Pluralist Theory from Sociology, Your Compass for a New World, the second edition. 
by Robert J. Brim of the University of Toronto and John Lai, or Lee, the University of California at Berkeley. Good morning, Aurora. Yes, it is 8.05 a.m. That is the time. It's May 22nd, 2020, Friday morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, Aurora. Coming to you once again live every Monday, or excuse me, every Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m., uh, reporting to you live from downtown Aurora. We hope that you're all doing good on this wonderful, wonderful, beautiful Friday morning. It's beautiful uh, because it's a Friday morning and we're all alive. It's kind of a gloomy and foggy day outside, though, I have to I have to say. I mean, it's not terrible at all, not in the least bit is it bad, but, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great day out there. It, it really is. Um, who we are? We are Good Morning Aurora. We are Aurora's number one, first and only, the originators, the creators, podcast, daily and local news, headlines, and updates for you, coming to you live every single day from downtown Aurora, broadcasting outwards to all of Aurora and the entire world, indeed, the universe. Uh, the weather right now is a cool 60 degrees. It's slightly foggy. And it appears that the high today will be 71, like two something. I'm not a meteorologist, but I can read. <laughs> so going into the weekend, uh, Friday is going to be like 71. Saturday is going to be 77 with some rain. And Sunday looks to be partly cloudy, but yet 86 degrees. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so going into this weekend, we got some pretty cool things for you guys and good things to talk about for, uh, excuse me, with you today. Uh, we've got some quick updates and shout-outs for you guys before we dig into our agenda for the morning. Uh, at 8.30 p.m., or excuse me, 8.30 a.m., we will be with our wonderful co-host, our comrade and yours, Big Sal. Uh, we will be talking about our discussion that we had on Monday. On Mondays, we do a thing where we ask ourselves, what will we do this week that our Friday selves will be proud of. So we'll be checking it in today to see what we did, what we installed, or what we started doing that our Friday, that our Friday selves are now proud of. Boss Babes Virtual Derby Auction Party. That is today from 6.30 to 9 o'clock p.m. This virtual auction will benefit United Way of Fox Valley Coronavirus Relief Fund and Mutual Ground, Boss Babes Virtual Derby Auction Party. Uh, check them out on Facebook and Instagram. You can get that information from, I believe, the Aurora Downtown website, Facebook page, and Instagram. Big reminder, AMVETS, post 103 at 1194 Jericho Road. That's the squad. That's the fam. Big time shout out for them. That's the post. Uh, located uh, like a, a business away from the Aurora Food Pantry, same street, just down a little bit. Um, they are having the uh, rib night, and that is Saturday the 30th, and uh, the proceeds will be benefiting local area veterans. Half rack of ribs, baked beans, and coleslaw, only $15. Super yum. Shout out to Paulie and the whole staff over there at AmVets. That's the squad. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and check that out. That's the 30th, but I'm telling you now, that way you will have no excuse whatsoever why you are not there eating. All right, jumping into the news for Aurora on this Friday, the 22nd. 
Uh, as we know, this is Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day is Monday, which is going to be the 25th. Um, the City of Aurora Memorial Day Virtual Remembrance Ceremony. The theme is Remember and Honor. That will be Monday, the 25th at 10 a.m. And it will be live on the city's Aurora, excuse me, the City of Aurora's Facebook page. So make sure that you check that out. It's going to be at uh, 10 o'clock a.m. And I have to say that I'm glad and proud of the city of Aurora, the uh, government and leadership for doing this and making sure that something is done for our vets, no matter what, in some way, shape or fashion for Memorial Day, even though we are all dealing yet still with lockdown-ism. Um, so yeah, that's definitely going to be something to uh, celebrate. Shout out to all of our veterans out there. The time is now 8.10 a.m. All right. DuPage County NAACP presents the Let's Celebrate Community Together Apart uh, Awards. Uh, the DuPage County NAACP Education Committee awards leadership and or scholarships to graduating seniors and students in grades 6 through 11 enrolled in good standing in DuPage, Kendall, Kane, and Will County Public Schools. Nominees must demonstrate leadership, scholarship, and commitment to the quality of life in school and community at the close of the 2019 to 2020 school year. They invite you to nominate no more than two graduating seniors. Senior nominees must provide proof of acceptance and an accredited two-year or four-year college university. If you are nominating students in the 6th to 11th grade group category, you may submit up to three nominations. Nominations are due no later than midnight tonight, May 22nd, 2020. Uh, we will be posting the, uh, we will be sharing rather, uh, the criteria award form for that. We'll put that on our Facebook page. But you can go to the City of Aurora African American Advisory, excuse me, City of Aurora's African American Heritage Advisory Board. That information is on their wonderful and cool Facebook page uh, as well. So you could definitely find that. Holler at the seniors, get them out there. Each one, teach one. All right. Also, um, one Night Only, Unbreakable Bonds, and Black Sisterhood. The Daughters of the Divine, Nine Unite for a Groundbreaking Conversation on the History of Unbreakable Bonds and Black Sisterhood. Watch the leaders of all four black sororities live on Girl Trek. Girl Trek. Once again, Girl Trek's Facebook page, and that is going to be this evening at 7 o'clock, uh, I believe, Eastern Time. Uh, the speakers will be Dr. Glenda Glover. Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, and Beverly Smith, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, Valerie Hollingsworth Baker, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority, and Deborah Catching Smith from Sigma Gamma Rhino Sorority. All right. And that's going to be one night only uh, for the first time ever. And again, this information is also on the City of Aurora African American Heritage Advisory Board's page. We will be sharing that as well to make sure that that gets out there. Support women and support sisters. All right. Now, also, we uh, spoke about this yesterday, but we're going to reiterate this because this is something that needs to be spoken on and talked about. Oswego. Shout out to the City of Oswego. In Oswego Caravan to honor, excuse me, to honor military members who died for their country, there is going to be a caravan 
of Village of Oswego vehicles starting this weekend with a procession through downtown Oswego to honor military members who've died in the service to our country. The caravan will include fire trucks, police cars, plows, trucks, and more. We'll be flying the United States flag and flags representing the branches of the armed services. Absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Shout out to the city of Oswego. Good looking out. Excellent looking out. The time is now 8.14 a.m. All right. Uh, daily, as we do, as you guys know, we uh, detail the current status of COVID-19 in America at the very moment. So uh, on the CDC website, cdc.gov, uh, which we encourage everyone to go check out to get the information directly from the proverbial horse's mouth in this cage in, in this page, excuse me, in this case page. I only had like a half cup of coffee, so forgive my verbal slipping, y'all. Anyway, um, as of this moment, there are 1,551,095 total cases of COVID-19 in the United States with 93,061 total deaths. Uh, total cases is up 22,860, 860 new cases, and 1,397 new deaths. That's compared to yesterday's data. This information on the website is broken down uh, by many different metrics of reporting cases and deaths by state, cases and death, excuse me, cases and deaths by county, new cases by day, cases by age, Cases by race and age, and also cases by ethnicity and age. And as we know, COVID-19 has been uh, disproportionately affecting African-American and Latino communities. So you can go to this website and find specifics on that data. So we've got, uh, so one of the things about this podcast that everyone knows about, and if you don't know about it, you're learning as you stay with us. Oh, and by the way, this is... The this is our tenth episode, and this is the ending of season one today. Um, so you know, just want to let you guys know that, and I, it's not really bragging. That's just information. This is the end of season one today. Season two starts Monday. But anyway, back to what I was talking about. Uh, our podcast serves two purposes. The first is social justice. We will be highlighting and speaking on. Those instances of social justice which take place in America that we feel deserve attention and being spoken about. The second is speaking up for the underserved. That means our veterans, our seniors, our undocumented communities, and our LGBT communities. Uh, or LBGT. I apologize, I'm messing that up. But yeah, speaking out about that. And with that being said, I saw an article that I found interesting and wanted to update everybody about and talk about the Georgia man who filmed the killing murder of Ahmad Arbery has himself been charged with murder. Uh, the man who recorded the shocking video of 25-year-old Ahmad Arbery being shot to death has been charged with murder authorities have announced on Thursday, which was yesterday. William Bryan Jr. was arrested and charged with felony murder and criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment on Thursday in connection 
with the murder of Armand Arbery in February, slang, excuse me, in February's slang while he was jogging on a residential street in Brunswick, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, also known as the GBI. Uh, he is currently being held in the Glen County Jail. They allege that on February 23rd, Gregory, Gregory McMichael and his son Travis confronted Arbery while he was on a run about two miles from his home. During the confrontation, Travis McMichael shot the 25-year-old Armory, according to authorities. Authorities uh, Brian captured part of the incident on video, which shows the father and son armed with a shotgun and a 357 Magnum as they chase Arbery, who was unarmed, in a white truck. At the end of the video, a shot is fired while Arbery tries to run around the truck. Then Arbery and another man appear to get into a struggle as two more shots are fired. Uh, according to the family, quote, we called for his arrest from the very beginning of this process. His involvement in the murder of Mr. Arbery was obvious to many around the country. And after the investigation, it is clear to the GBI, again, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations as well. Uh, it is a very uh, disturbing case, which has raised, quite honestly, I'm glad for the discussion that it's brought about. Uh, it's raised many a issue, discussion, and been a point of contention for a long time. Uh, he is the third man to be charged in this. Um, during the chase, the McMichaels said, this is their own uh, testimony, they said that they tried to cut off Mr. Arbery, who avoided them and turned to run in the opposite direction. Now, at one point, according to the initial police report, the McMichaels said that Mr. Bryan attempted to block Mr. Arbery, which was unsuccessful. Interesting. Bryan's 36-second video taken inside a vehicle was released by Alan Tucker, a local criminal defense lawyer who had informally consulted with the McMichaels and wanted to dispel rumors about the incident that was fueling tensions in the Georgia suburb. But the incident incited national outrage, leading to the charges against three people more than two months after Arbery was shot. Prior to the graphic footage, the young man's case was bounced to three local prosecutors, two of whom are currently under investigation, before it was ultimately referred to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Local officials had charged Arbery's death was justifiable homicide. Sad and tragic. The time is now 8.20 a.m. We're going to take a small break, and we will be right back. Again, at 8.30, we will be having our interview with our co-host and comrade, Big Sal, our brother from another mother. Stay tuned on Good Morning Aurora.
Back, 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 back. Time is now 8.25 a.m. Tune in to and listening to Good Morning Aurora, the number one, the beginning, the starting off point, uh, number one podcast news show for downtown Aurora and broadcasting out to the rest of our cool, awesome city and indeed state and indeed state. You can check us out on Spotify, uh, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're listening to us on your preferred platform. We are most likely there. We're trying to get to the Death Star satellite even. Uh, The time is now 8.25 a.m. And we will be speaking to, as we mentioned, our brethren from another metherin, Big Sal, the co-host and comrade, when we get to that portion. Um, So check this out. I'm going to share something to you. I, I, I saw this story that I thought was very interesting. It's the the title is what stood out to me. And when we talk about things of, you know, when we when we when we talk about disdain and when we talk about uh you know a lack of empathy even, I think sometimes these are the things that Bring it all to light. On the first day of the Illinois General Assembly's special pandemic session in a makeshift chamber in the Bank of Springfield Center, the first order of business was to vote that everyone must wear a mask, a rule that passed overwhelmingly with bipartisan support. But there was one holdout on Wednesday, State Rep. Darren Bailey, who sat smiling at his desk on the floor of the arena and refused to put one on. Quote, if you want to send me or anyone else outside the doors today, I understand. Go right ahead. But know this. If you do that, you're silencing millions of people. Excuse me. You're silencing millions of voices of people who have had enough. End quote, Bailey said when asked to comply. His colleagues on both sides of the aisle didn't appear too worried. They kicked him out of the legislature by an 81 to 27 vote. Damn. Imagine. You pimp everything and everybody in the neighborhood. You trying to hustle me too, JJ. Because if you are, man, I'm not going to stand for that shit. That's crazy. I can't believe that he went without a mask. And that's just bad stuff. Dorman, please remove Rep. Bailey, said State Rep. Jay Hoffman, before a group of men in masks escorted the maskless Bailey from the arena, the state's temporary legislative home, to allow for more social distancing. Damn, they kicked him out. It makes you wonder, why would he go with no mask in the first place? Was the statement really worth it? I would think that the statement would be better made by just not going at all. But hey, what do I know? That's why I'm just some guy talking to you in the morning on a podcast. A plane carrying more than 100 people has crashed in Pakistan. That is a very, very, very sad um, story. Our thoughts and prayers go out to Pakistan at this very moment. And there has been a big push on absentee voting, which is bipartisan. Um, it's very, uh, very 
interesting that absentee voting uh, and voting by mail has taken a uh, big precedence and uh, come to light uh, in this time of COVID-19. Safety is everything. Safety is everything. Uh, weeks before the president lashed out at Michigan leaders for considering a plan to send absentee ballot applications to all registered voters, West Virginia did exactly that. So did Nebraska, so did Iowa and Georgia and several other states. Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Mailing absentee ballot request forms to all voters has been widely used in other states, helmed by both Republicans and Democrats alike in recent weeks. It's become a more pressing issue before state primaries, 17 of which were delayed from this spring because of the COVID-19 outbreak. The time is now 8.30 a.m., and you know what time it is. It is about that moment. It is about that time when we holler at our brethren, our brother from another mother, the comrade, he who is in the trenches with us, the man who is using his spade to dig a foxhole while I am heating up our MRE rations, the dude who is the onion to my ramen noodles. And if you aren't familiar with putting chopped up onions in your ramen noodles, you've been living a good life. Sam, are you there? I'm there, my What's brother. It's up? great to talk to you. <laughs> What's happening? Too much, man. Just attacking the day. That's right. right. That's right. That's right, attacking my brother. How'd you um? How'd you sleep? Slept good, man. You know, got uh, got got my eight hours in and got my meditations done, and you know, it's today's the only day that'll be right, and there's not gonna be another not gonna be another Friday like this. So, right, it could be the greatest we ever had. Facts, big facts, super facts. Um, so I was just uh, going through the all the stuff going on out there in the world, uh, you know, and some of the little news headlines and everything. What do, uh, does Bright Oaks have anything special going on this uh, weekend or any any uh, initiatives that you guys got besides your everyday stuff? You know, well, we're, you know, we have to, you know, safety is number one. Right. So we are... Um, you know, finding ways to stay engaged from, you know, a life enrichment standpoint, you know, we have a, a really wonderful activities coordinator. Um, and so we're, we've been over these last few months, you know, just finding ways to, you know, keep, keep the seniors engaged because there's something to be said. And I'm noticing this in my own life about, you know, physical contact, you know, eye contact, just, just that human interaction that does so much for health. Um, so we've, we did a parade um, a few weeks back where we had about 70 cars. Um, it's a, it was a, the Tribune picked it up where we had about 70 cars and the family, we took the residents, um, you know, safely out and they got to see their families and people were hooting and hollering and, uh, you know, had signs. So we've been doing that. And, and right now, um, it's really just checking every, you know, we're checking on the residents every little bit, checking on staff. And just praying harder than we've ever prayed before. Nice. Yeah, I saw the uh, I saw the little caravan you guys put together, man. That was a good thing. Families were having a yeah. good time with that. Yeah, it's you know we had some people who just you know just moved in, and it's you know there, there's a need. You know, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's is really a uh, you know I think the only people who could understand is is you know sometimes uh, you know parents or families that have uh, special needs or you know dealing with autism. You know, I, I worked in that field for a while, um, 
in, in the STARS program in the Oswego School District, which is a pretty amazing program. Um, but a lot of, it, it's interesting how the brain works to see, and this is just, you know, this isn't clinical, I'm no doctor, but, you know, it was my own social experiment of seeing how, you know, the autism programs work and how, ch- how children act that, and then also into the Alzheimer's and, and the um, dementia. And, and for me, I see a lot of similarities in the fact of, you know, a lot of the previous ways of dealing with that and so that we can resonate with them, you know, like, especially in autism and dementia, the things that people want who are like close to them is they want to be able to relate to them and they can't, you know, and it's just, that's the hard part. So, you know, something we do with this Montessori moments in time um, and, you know, is really geared towards where they are. Right. And in my role as well as a marketing director, and I'm talking to families now, I try to just meet them where they are and say, okay, where are you? I mean, I, I, I've said this before. I said this on the phone yesterday to a, 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 a family. Like, I didn't get that class in school that said take care, taking care of your parents when you get when they get older. You know, and, and that's not, you know, the, the expenses, you know, so it catches a lot of people off when the doctor says, well, sorry, you know, your mom or your dad or your aunt or someone can't live by themselves anymore. You know, the old stigma of one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you know, still leans pretty high in a lot of people's minds. So right. it's creating a space, creating, you know, that family environment. So, and, and right now that's, it's literally all hands on deck, you know, eh. I'm in sales and marketing, but I'm helping in the kitchen. You know, our executive director is, you know, supposed to be doing her executive director's work and, you know, she's bringing food to people and stuff. So we're, we're trying all things and staying within the guidelines. And, and like I said, I mean, it's just, it's unprecedented times. What can you say? Everyone knows. Right. Yeah, we are. We're living in a, uh, a different time and everything. Uh, so I had a, I had a good call yesterday though, um, with, uh, some with some vets we do a uh we do a check-in so i had a was on a pl- uh, call yesterday with uh members of the american legion and a couple other members uh some guys on the navy league here and there and and it was a really good call man it was um i mean we just talked about the fact that we're all socially distancing and these guys are older than me, right? So these guys are like in their 70s. I mean, you know, these guys got me by like 40 years. And but the thing is, is that these guys know that they are in the uh, age bracket to have potential complications with this COVID-19. So they're not taking their chances. But the thing is, is that these guys are not they miss people, not things. You know, they're cool with it. Like they're they're not terribly put off by this. They just miss their families. But they acknowledge that we're in unprecedented times and we're all looking for ways to help other people. You know, so and and that's the thing that I applaud you for doing what you do down there, because you you and I have talked about this many a time. But like some of the people that I work with, they're not too far away from needing the services of a Bright Oaks. And a lot of them can understand that. And some of them kind of. You know they still deny it, but yeah, how could you not? I mean, right. it's it's almost like they know, don't want to live there. They they want to stay. It's like they they you know the thought of having to leave home, even though they're not safe in their home anymore physically, is you know it's 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 tough, man. 
Yeah, it's that realization. But I mean, and and I think that like gives us gives some perspective as we age. Is is you know, I mean, it, it doesn't go backwards for anybody. You know, what I mean, if whatever age you are now, you're not you're never getting younger. You're only going to go older, and it's kind of being able to like not let those midlife crises happen. Not let you know when you realize just just to kind of be you know expecting what's going to happen next and you know right now where we're at and, and having this glimpse as you have into you know older bats me like you know older people who've had these long illustrious lives and then i see them you know in in the dementia unit just you know kind of sitting there quality of life straight but it's just it, it I, I don't know I, if, if there's the biggest positive of this whole you know pandemic situation is appreciation is to remember like we like you know, you take for granted that food's going to always be in the stores. You take for granted that your lights are always going to turn on. You take for granted that the water is going to be clean. I mean, I know, and and I've tried to be mindful over the years, but I mean, like everyone else, you kind of just like, yeah, well, obviously I live in America. I'm going to have clean water. Well, look at Flint, Michigan. It's like, well, obviously, you know, this. I'm, I mean, I can get whatever I want. I can get any kind of meat, any kind of food, any kind I want. And then you go to the store and you're like, damn, like there's not that much there. Right. And so it's, it's just, just this crux, you know, and it's, you know, you, you, you feel stuck, you know, I, I know family members of mine that haven't been out of the house in months. I mean, I, we've been able to get out. I mean, I've had to work. I, I can't take off, you know, and we, we have to be there, but that, that mental toll is there. So it's one of those things where this, this must've been like in the times of like the story of, of Noah and the ark. Right. You know, like right. it's, you know, and it's not, no one has to believe any of this. It's just looking at it as, you can look at it as just a parable, whatever you want to look at it as. But it's like, you know, the world's going to hell in a handbag and there's all these things that are going on. Um, you know, but we also forget, you know, yes, this is bad, but there's also karmic responses. I mean, how much life have we just, how, how, with the disregard for human life over the years, you know, just, oh, it doesn't matter. Boom, write them off. Boom, write them off. You know, where we've, you know, we really have to see that, like, if, if we don't have each other, if we don't have that connection, I mean, we, we're not getting out of this. But I think we will. It's just, there's a lot, there's there's just a lot of, of tar and, you know, just, just that black, you know, gunk to get off of humanity as a whole. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, um. It's like a coating right now. You know what I'm saying? It's like a thick film. It's like being wrapped in aluminum in an aluminum foil of negativity. Not even well, no, no, let me take that back. It's not next it's not necessarily negativity, it's uncertainty. Yeah, and you know, and then it's 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 peeling off that I, I agree with you. And, and and a lot of it's negativity, but a lot of it's like uh indoctrinated negativity. Because right. There's people, I mean, okay, we know there's other news sources out there. We, we, we've seen the internet. We can go look at pundits from both sides of the aisle and, and get and make our own sentient decision, right? But a lot of people in, in the older age groups cannot. They've been, they grow up watching Channel 5 all day, every day, all day, every day. Channel 9, CNN, all these. And, like, if you leave that TV station on right now, I mean, I don't care who you are. It's just like if you listen to positive affirmations, you're gonna be, you're gonna have a more positive day. But if you listen to that, like you're gonna, there, there's no hope, <laughs> like there's none. Right. And so, it's like I hope, I hope people can listen to, you know, thing, you know, things like that, like our podcast, like Good Morning Aurora, because 
know, you're seeing that there's like every business in Aurora has all the right to go home, kick the dog, get mad at everybody and say, what was me? This is, this is out of my control. I don't care. I'm giving up. Right? Like that's justified. That is a justified response to this. You just give up, close up shop and say, you know what? Screw it. But look, look at what, you know, for example, we will be interviewing and we're very close with and talk a lot on the show at Treadwell Coffee. Like he's not, he, he's tried to open and close and, and then now he's doing stuff with local cooks to make, you know, uh, you know, pork sandwiches, beef sandwiches to then donate some of that to, you know, veterans causes or have art, local artists come in and showcase their work, right. you know, and do that. And then you, you know, you talk to uh, the cottonseed exchange yesterday and, and what the, the, the platform she's trying to create for local artists. And then, um, uh, it was, I can't, I forgot their name for a sec, but from Northwestern Medicine, like, comes up with this 13 ways to help deal with anxiety that we all shared on our Facebook, like, Oh, yeah, Des, yeah, that's right, shout out to Desiree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's huge, I mean, those are the things that you can see, like, especially for that older generation of, who feel like, oh man, I don't understand these millennials, I don't understand these kids, I don't understand technology, there's still people that know the old way that are able to adapt to the new way but then keep those good old principles going forward and adapt them for the next generation that are going to be coming up. Right, right. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, okay, so before this happened, you and I were talking, uh, you and I were talking about, like, um, older folks who may not be, uh, who are kind of slipping between the cracks in a digital age. But I don't think that, like yesterday, I was talking to guys who, you know, they've, they may have slipped through the cracks in the digital age, but they're with it because they know that everything's transitioning to that. But I think that Aurora, but that's the thing about this, well, that's the thing about what we're doing and the conversation that we've had because, like, Aurora as a whole doesn't really have that problem. The issue is that the, the groups that are slipping through the cracks are big. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, like we need to help them we know who we represent who are slipping through the cracks but like i don't think that that's 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 not out there very good so that's why we're doing this podcast i mean we know that but but that's just one of those things that's yeah and that's the questions that get answered because you know the and and i know the leaders want the feedback you know we, we you have i have we've been you know in close proximity with with some of these leaders and all of like i i remember michael beggies i was uh listening to him speak one time and he was talking about the future of education at, over at IMSA and he's like well don't you think we should give the kids a, a voice oh and, yeah that's right I gotta I have to I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you I'm sorry go ahead because I got yeah, a no, very okay. important thing to talk about IMSA yeah no it, it's just simply the fact that like why you know I would you and I would put our names to something like good morning Aurora or or, or speak you know talk behind this because there's still there's still so much room to grow. I mean that that bridge across the river is not done. You know, once I mean, and then now you you you, you can't. We've had to cancel all these. You know, at River Edge Park. I mean, that River Edge is an unbelievable venue. You know, and it's unbelievable venue. I mean, you're talking. You can do that. I, I said they should do a 420 fest there. You know, because and and like have like you know there's so many things that you could do to like create this new wave of renaissance, but. You know, it's it's just interesting to see the feedback. It's rare, 
right? It's rare. I mean, look at Chicago. Like, there's no moving like foot at all. She's like, this is what it is. New world order. Here we go. You know, like, this is it. You know, a a 420 fest at River Edge Park sounds very dope. I mean, it sounds very cool. It would be perfect. It'd draw a lot of attention. It'd draw a lot of folks, but... The the mentality, however, I don't think is hip enough to allow four twenty fest. Not yet, you know what right. I'm saying. There's still it's right, still absolutely. that right, right, right. But but that is a good. It's just that it's it's available and it's and it could be a take, you know. And then you could have you know the the you know and then as this progresses, you can have these social distancing like tastes. Like there's a taste of Chicago, the taste of Melrose Park. Like you can set those up with space that it's just you you create a social distancing type of. Uh, you know, that type of thing. Eventually, you're going to have to go back to some sort of normal, and we just hope that no one's rushing. Right. Um, so here's man. Right, we've yeah. been hold on now. <laughs> Yo, we've been chopping it up real good. This is a good chop this morning, but we we are supposed to be talking about what our Friday selves oh, yeah. are proud of that we declared on Monday. So I'll let you go ahead. What did um, what did your Monday self the decide yeah. that the Friday self wanted to be proud of? So, you know, just to reiterate, you know, if someone's new to listening to this, um, uh, about six weeks ago on the Bright Oaks of Aurora um, Instagram, started to go live and started to say on Mondays, what are we going to do? What small change are we going to do on Monday that our Friday selves will be taking? Right. Because it's hard to make major changes. People smoke cigarettes their whole life. They're unhealthy their whole life. They, they, they do things their whole life. It's hard to make changes. And I truly believe the, the different difficulty in making these changes is because it's like, oh my God, how do I, I know I'm 50 pounds overweight. How am I going to lose 50 pounds? It seems insurmountable. So you start, so when you feel a change is insurmountable, that means the memory bank, the file in your mind for successes or, or achievements is very low. So you have to build that up if you're going to like build on a habit and then changing, changing habit. So when you start on Monday and if it's like, you know, last week it was just like, I pay more attention to my teeth. I'm going to brush my teeth an extra time a day. Like, seems simple. Now, this week it was like, okay, I'm going to keep the things I've been doing the last five. That's my goal. Now, it's I'm going to do two things. I'm going to find a place to get out and get some fresh air because I have to wear a mask all the time. I'm going to find a time to get out and spend some time. And then I'm and be a little more active and do some stretching. And then I'm going to try to put some things in order that I've been leaving go. I have some some paperwork i have some things that that i needed to do and i knew i couldn't get to it this week but i'm like i'm gonna find a little bit of time during the week to set up what i'm gonna do for monday so i think it's interesting in my own social experiment not like hey do this do as i say how do they do that these past five weeks i haven't been able to like think ahead i'm just like i gotta just do this one thing right now after six weeks i'm like all right i'm gonna do this and then I'm going to start to plan for my, the next thing that I'm going to, my next little victory that's going to start on Monday. And just from experience, having five weeks in my back pocket of small changes, now that's a big, those are big changes that are staying and now setting me up for more multiple and feeling confident and more easy and starting, the week's starting to move quickly and starting to, you know, I'm starting to have more confidence in getting through when someone's not nice to me, I'm able to kind of, move that aside because I know what my goals are and what I'm focused on. Right. Very well said. Very well said. Very well said. Um, for me, uh, 
when I instituted Friday, or excuse me, when I started Monday, that my Friday self will be proud of. You know, I actually just, um, I've I've always been a guy who writes things down. I'm a nerd like that. I write things down. Sometimes I carry a little pocket notebook. I write things down and check it off. But um, I, I think my Friday self is just proud of the the regiment that I've been instilling in myself a little bit more, um, you know, with a little bit more um, force. So let me give the audience an example. Like, since this whole work from home thing started, my routine, my actual routine is this. I work, and by work, you know the stuff I do. I actually, like, work and turn all kinds of stuff, you know. I, I work from the time I wake up until 5 o'clock p.m. And what I do is I wake up, I take a shower, and I get dressed. I put on, like, actual clothes, uh, jeans in the house with socks, like I'm actually dressed up. And I work until 5 o'clock p.m. And at 5 o'clock p.m., I take a shower, put on some more relaxing clothes, and then I work what I call at my own leisure and pace. What my Friday self is proud of is that as this show has developed, and this is the end of season one, we do 10 episodes. This is the end of season one. Season two starts next week on Monday. Shout out to us. But what I do is, um, what I did was I started instilling basic, small, attainable, and achievable goals for myself, for this show, and for us. And you and I have been talking about it all week. You know what I'm saying? Little text here, like, yo, let's try this. Little call here, like, uh, let's do, okay, let's do this. And uh, my Friday self is proud of the steps that we've made in this show. That's what I'm proud of. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yep. I mean, and it's, we don't, we don't put it at like a monetary value or that any of that, but I mean, look at Joe, look at Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Rogan just, you know, he started his podcast, you know, and just was like smoking we with people and, and getting them to open up and talk and now we just joined our platform on spotify right um you know we're there where that's that's the big idea that's that's what you know can it is will help because one one person working with that you know great idea or working with that confidence is stronger than a million who don't hey i got it to, i had to uh, i wanted to ask you too um yeah. well not not necessarily ask you but so i want to take this i want to take this moment right now to shout out you, um, because Wednesday, let the audience let the audience know what's happening on Wednesday. What, what's popping on Wednesday with you? What's, what's... Yeah, so um, on Wednesday, uh, Curtis will get a, a well deserved break. He's been the brains and uh, I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I, I'm going to be taking over on Wednesday, and we are going to we're going to discuss some things. We might do a little ASMR. Word up. Um, which would be kind of fun and be a little relaxing session. And we're going to be talk, interviewing the owner of 12 Ball Coffee, Chet, who is, I'm telling you, is, you think you got things going on. This man's story, once we get into it, if you don't feel inspired, you know, and then to see the brick and mortar shop that he's keeping going and the people that he's, he's working, the things that he's doing, and, and what he did in the city of Aurora for his coffee shop that, you know, a lot of people might not know. They might just think, oh, cool, this is kind of a neat, you know, uh, trendy little coffee shop. But right. the story behind it, and, and you see, you know, what we talk about on Wednesday, like, I would not miss that. I would not want to miss that. That That's going to be, 
you're right. gonna feel better once you get done with that. <laughs> feel better, Word up. You. Yeah, Wednesday, okay, so to all you listeners out there, Wednesday next week is big time stuff. Trip Will Coffee will be on. Good morning, Aurora. But um you know what? And one of these days too, I'm gonna tell the listeners how I first I'm gonna tell the listeners how how uh Chad saved me. He did. He he okay. he really looked out he looked out for a brother, the veterans, all in one fell swoop. Like my first interaction with him. Like it's a it's a really good story. I might do that in the we might do that in a special edition podcast. But yeah, shouts out to uh, to our brother um, Chad from Treadwell. The time is now eight fifty three a.m. So um, so here's the thing. Now check this out. Um, Wednesday is going to be the uh, your interview with Chad. And, you know, I've got some stuff that I'm thinking on to do on a Wednesday specially. And I was thinking about it and going through some of the because we've gotten a couple of uh, comments and things like that and uh, emails. um, And we'll go over those. But like I'm thinking about instilling a actual program on one of our days. So I kind of want to tease that to the audience a little bit. But I also want to throw it out there that if anybody has an idea. If anybody has something that's burning in their head or in their mind, uh, I encourage them to send an email to goodmorningauroraIL at gmail.com. GoodmorningauroraIL at gmail.com. Um, and I hope that people understand that this is a, this podcast, right? This is, you know, I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is the street NPR right here. Like you can, it is possible with us. Like you can, you you can get spoken about, talked about, or something like that. Shoutouts happen here randomly and with no preemption. So, good morning, Aurora IL. I'm thinking about something uh, to do with the community in regards to some of the engagement in just different ways. Um, but also, Sam, yeah. Sam, you need a you need a nickname. What can yeah, man, I, I, what is big is Big Sal know, cool? Are you cool with that? Like I'm cool with Big Sal, Big Sal, CBJ, <laughs> whatever you want. Young Shakespeare, whatever. You got that. If you need bars, I'll start spitting. <laughs> Cause I was like, I was thinking about it too. Like I'm making, you know, I was um, doing getting our stuff ready for after this when we post it when we post the uh, episode and make it live. But I was like, what the hell am I supposed to call Sam? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna do Sal, you know, Big Sal, something like that, something, something awesome. And then what? Um, you're a Spotify guy, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, okay. I, I, I've been now since growing up, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. I have Spotify, um, too. You know, the one thing about Spotify when I was working, like, uh, in HR at one point in time in my life, like, Spotify used to irk me kind of because, like, I would set it to, like, Black Sabbath radio, and then it's playing, like, Depeche Mode. And Black Sabbath and Depeche Mode are two different, you know, like just because it does not sound the same. That used to piss me off so bad, you know, like, damn it. Right when you get your Ozzy fix going on and it's like Keith Richards or something. But that's cool. You know, and and it's interesting because, like, you know, you see these like like these tech companies grow up. Like, look at Zoom, like. Did we even know what Zoom was six months ago? I did. I you know I what? Did. I did. I yeah. I got to I got to yeah. tell you. So um, the company yeah. that I'm talking about, where I used to work at, like, yeah. I never. I will. 
I'll tell my my son about it and his grandkids one day, but I shit you not, the guy that I used to work for, who I can't stand now, um, he fired me. That was the greatest job I. That was that was the last time I ever worked for another human. Anyway, um, he he had a meeting and he was like, we're gonna. He posted it out and he said, um, we're gonna start using some of these programs. We'll see which is which and yada 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 and like. Zoom was one of them. There were a couple other. Trello was one, too, at that time. Yeah. They've been yeah. around for a minute. But Trello was cool because, like, I use Trello now a little bit. It's cumbersome, though. I yeah. kind of don't like it. But, but yeah, Zoom. Yeah, see, Zoom is a good example. Just keep shooting your shot. Yeah, they may come. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean, and that, that's it. You know, it's all your shot. You know, it's Tricky. like. Uh, there's there's so many things you know like, but that that's it because that dream doesn't die like if you have that in you you have that right that, that elon that elon factor i like to call now that musk factor you know where, where you know i think that is you know and you know that could be a whole other podcast to talk about bill gates but um i you know i think a real visionary in our lifespan is this elon musk you know to just be like you know what I don't care what anybody says. Like, we're gonna we're gonna make giant leaps forward as 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 human for humanity. And you know, like it or leave it. It's just you know, those are the thinking. I think that you know, we as the elder millennials, as I like to call us, is you know, is to be is to look down to say like, look, listen, kid. Like, I get it, but you're still on your parents' insurance. Like, relax. Like, right. You know, let's. We want your input. We want it, but but show respect to the elders. You're not us. I'm saying like people even older than us like we can't move past these people like oh great we have this thing because i've heard some really disgusting things you know from some people about this you know pandemic and the people that it's you know that it's affecting and i understand the toll that you know the the boomer generation is going to be on social security and like you know all this stuff but it's like too damn bad because those people trudged through these factory jobs and now sick for what they did to make sure we had you know that there were diapers made and that there was you know, look at 3M, all the chemicals and stuff. A lot of people get sick from that, and they paid into these systems. Right. So every human life matters, no matter what. No right. matter. I'm sorry, like, and that that has always been my my stance. Is it's like, look, like we can figure out ways, but human life has to be regarded in the highest. Right. Like, straight then, up. No matter what it is, no matter what, however way people spin it, like it's, it's it's human life that that needs to be valued more than anything else. The time is now eight fifty nine a.m. and we have literal. We have a little bit less than a minute. All right, so check this out, Sam. Real quick, Sal. Real quick, tell uh, what should the uh, tell the folks something positive to take into the weekend with them. So every single morning that you wake up is the only day that's going to be what's today the twenty second. Twenty second. Yep. There's never going to be another May twenty second. Um. <clears throat> in the world of 2020 there's never going to be another day like this and it's easy to kind of get bogged down in the whole thing but the thing is is someone has to be the best human on the planet today if there was a ranking system somebody would be ranked number one right just like in sports just like in in music just like whatever you choose to do someone has to be number one if you can honestly answer the reason that you're not going to be number one right then rethink it because you could be the best that ever walked the planet all right, and with that and our last 11 seconds left, we'd like to tell you peace from Good Morning Aurora. Be blessed, stay safe, check in with y'all next week.